died and rose again your old life is dead and you are symbolically being raised up into new life fresh life and what is so powerful about that is one of the secret sauces of life is the reality that you can die to the old version of yourself and you could be made alive to the best that jesus has for you Becoming a Christian means that you've stepped away from your old life and are willing to start over, covered by the grace of Jesus' blood. Today, Pastor Daniel will be starting a new series exploring the secret sauce that enhances your life as a believer. And one of those things is being willing to die to old habits and hang-ups. Jesus is faithful and will help you every step of the way, reminding you how wonderful life in Him truly is. Let's join Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 6 as he begins his message, The Dead Live. So truth be told, I became a vegetarian when I was 18. Not for moral or social reasons. Really, I just blame my mom and my grandma. Because growing up in an all-Italian family, everything we ate was amazing. I mean, it was like, we used to say, you guys should open a restaurant. And they're like, well, yeah, we just feed you and you don't have to pay for it. I'm like, nice. But then when I went to college, I remember after about the first week of college, you know, chicken just wasn't supposed to look like that. Meatloaf was not supposed to have that texture. And so finally, I'm just like, you know, this isn't working. So I actually decided I was going to stop eating all meat products. I was pretty much just grossed out. And instead of gaining, you know, the freshman 15, where freshmen in college gained 15 pounds in their first semester, I actually lost freshman 15. And I never forget it. I came home for break and I saw my grandma. And she's like, so happy to see me. And then she looked at me and then she got very upset. She's like, you look so skinny. And I'm like, yeah, Grandma. She's like, I heard you became a vegetarian. What's that? And I'm like, well, Grandma, it's your fault. She's like, what did I do? I'm like, you spoiled me with all this good food, right? And she's like, I'm so sorry. You know, she was so sweet about it. But I remember that, you know, like uh, when I stopped, uh, when I became a vegetarian for a long time, I just kind of lost, you know, a desire for any of those meat products. And that went on for years. And I had times when I didn't eat any dairy products either. And then uh, a little bit later, you know, I was reading about Jesus making fish. I'm like, maybe I'll just incorporate fish back into my diet. And so I started doing that. And then I'll never forget that Lynn and I, once we were living in California at the time, and we were living right up the block from In-N-Out Burger. Now, being a guy from New Jersey, I didn't know who In-N-Out Burger, I just knew that Jesus loved these burgers because they have Bible verses all over them, you know what I mean? So like that Jesus meat or something, you know what I mean? And, and I just remember that, you know, because we lived a little bit up the mountain from this In-N-Out Burger, I would just smell burgers all the time. And because I wasn't not eating meat for like moral or social reasons, I just, you know, like I wasn't in college anymore either. I started thinking to myself, man, I should probably like try one of these again. But then it had been so long. I mean, at this point, I'd probably been a vegetarian for 
gosh, like 15 years or something. So I'm like, man, if I eat meat, who knows what's going to happen? But I was thinking about it and all those smells of all the burgers was really like, you know, uh, getting me excited. And then I'll never forget it because one day when Lynn came to me, she's like, guess what? I'm like, what? She's like, we're pregnant. And I'm like, awesome. Let's go get a burger, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And Lynn just like, look, I mean, I mean, I, I first celebrated, but that was pretty much what went on. And Lynn just was like, she's like, excuse me? I'm like, let's go to In-N-Out and celebrate. And she's like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, I'm going to be fine. And so sure enough, when I took that first bite into a double-double with grilled onions, I finally realized what, you know, what the hype was about. Because listen, you know, like... I hadn't had the taste of that in my mouth. And so I tell you this story because we're starting a series called The Secret Sauce. And you know that The Secret Sauce is a company or a brand or an organization's way of saying, this is what makes what we're doing extra special, right? And really what I want to do is I want to talk with you today about what makes life extraordinary? Like, like what is the secret sauce of life? And I'm going to get to share... This with you over three of my most favorite chapters in the Bible. So the secret sauce series is Romans 6, 7, and 8. So if you want, open up your Bibles, Romans 6. And I want to just tell you a little story about these three chapters. We're only going to take Romans 6, verses 1 to 14 today. So if you brought a Bible with you today, pull that out. If you have a mobile device and you like to read online, just open up your browser window, Romans 6, colon 1 to 14. We actually encourage you to open the Bible. It's an amazing thing. It's called a book. You open that thing up. You know, there's words in there and insights. But the book of Romans is pretty easy to find because in your New Testament, there's the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then there's the Acts of the Apostles. Really, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through these group of people called the Apostles. And then there's Paul's letters, and Romans is the first one. And if you've been with us, we've been traveling through the book of Romans as we're now moving into the second series. But Romans 6, 7, and 8 is important to me personally because when I first started walking with Jesus... You know, I had come out of a pretty big party background and I had been partying for a while. It had been years and years and years of partying. But when I started walking with Jesus, Jesus was inviting me to live differently than I had ever lived before. But I was struggling in that place of the person that I knew that God would have me to be, that Jesus died and rose again to me, that I would be, and then the person that I was. The way that I had lived. And you know the problem of course with habits. Or habits are supported by behaviors. And those behaviors are often you know, well worn into your life. And so I had been doing uh, smoking pot a lot for a long, long time. And I remember I'd go to church. And I'd feel so convicted. Because I knew that God created me exactly the way he wanted me to be. To experience him. I didn't need to add anything. But I was struggling with the habit and the behavior That had been decades in the making. And I remember I went up to the pastor of the church who had become a a friend. And I said, you know, Pastor Andy, I love Jesus. And he's like, yeah, I know you do. And I said, you know, and I pulled a joint out of my pocket. And I said, but I'm going to go in my car and I'm going to smoke this. Because I've been doing this my, you know, for, for as long as I can remember. And I'm like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now, at this juncture, like... You know, I figured I'd get thrown out of church or something. You know, I didn't know how, you know, pastors, I was new to church anyway. So how do pastors handle this? And I'll never forget what Pastor Andy Green did. He put his hand on my shoulder. He said, you know, Daniel, you need to start reading Romans 6, 7, and 8. And you need to ask God to change your heart. And he's like, do you mind if I pray for that for you right now? And I'm like, no, I don't mind. He puts, he's like, Lord, 
You know Daniel. You know what he's struggling with. Will you change his heart as he reads your word? In Jesus' name, amen. And then I said, what's Romans 6, 7, and 8? Because I didn't even know, you know. And he found it in my Bible. He put a little, he put the little marker in there. And he's like, just every time you're tempted, read these three chapters and ask God to change your heart. You know, and I was totally shocked because I, I figured he, he's supposed to throw me out of church, right? That's like what pastors do, right? They toss you for struggling. or I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I'd never seen a church, a pastor throw anybody out of church before, but I just assumed that that's kind of how it rolled, you know? And then sure enough, every time I was tempted, I would read Romans 6, 7, and 8, and I would ask God to change my heart. And over time, God changed my heart, you know? And it's been, now I haven't uh, smoked marijuana in any way, shape, or form for was it 18 years now? 19 years now. Praise God for that. And the first Bible that I had, the cover broke at Romans chapter 6. Because I'd spent so much time opening it to Romans 6, 7, and 8. And so these chapters are dear to my heart. And the reason I tell you this story is because I believe there's a lot of you right now. That's exactly what you need to start doing today. There's behaviors in your life that you know are holding you back from Jesus. And you need to read these three chapters that we're going to study over the next, you know, bunch of months. And you need to say, God, will you change my heart? And I was so amazed by the grace of this pastor. You know, he knew that God needed to do a heart work in me. And that's what God is really interested in. And so we're going to be exploring this together. So if we jump right on in Romans 6, verse 1, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Now, in these two verses, I want to remind us of something that we say all the time here that I've already said as we've studied the book of Romans, but it's just as true in Romans chapter 6 as it is earlier, is a simple fact that Jesus makes dead people alive. That's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus makes dead people alive. Now, I keep bringing this up because really this is what makes the gospel so amazing. That God, through Jesus, takes what is dead and then brings resurrection through it. And I know that we live in a culture that we have a kind of like a cut bait kind of a mentality where it's like, this is over, boom, it's gone. But that's not how God works. The good news is that Jesus takes people who are dead and makes them alive again. Now, I love that because it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't take bad people and make them good or doesn't take good people and make them a little better. He takes dead people and he makes them alive again. And really what Paul is saying, because even though we're starting a new series here in Romans 6, Paul has been running on this track. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the reason he says that, if you back up to Romans 5 verse 20, it says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. You see that? So he's saying that wherever sin shows up, grace abounds even more. And then he's like, so what shall we say? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Because there are people going around that says, well, if God knows that you're not perfect, and when you sin, if grace abounds, then have at it. Live however you want. However you live, grace will continue to abound. And really what he's saying here, notice in verse 2, he says, certainly not. 
Now, I think this is important because God gives us liberty not to do whatever we want. God gives us liberty to be free in Christ to live how he created us to live. And unfortunately, within the people of God, there is this tendency in the name of grace to say, I'm going to live however I want. And the thing is, is, and this is a very, it's not new, but it is amplified in our culture because the struggle in our culture is nobody wants to have any guardrails. Our culture feels that true freedom comes from the absence of any guardrails in life, right? And listen, whether or not you, you might say, yes, but you still feel the same way as well. Anytime something is hindering your ability to do whatever you want, people get upset. But I always remind people that true freedom doesn't exist without boundaries. I always use the same example. It's a great example. Imagine if my house or your house the backyard backed up to I-5, which is the largest highway in our area, right? Now, if you have little kids, are you a loving parent by not putting a fence there? That your kids can just, their ball goes into I-5 and they go run out to go get the ball. Is that a loving parent? No, you put a fence in. Why? Because within the boundary, you're not free if you play on I-5. You're dead if you do that. A loving parent puts the fence up because he really wants their child or she really wants their child to be free. See, and our culture has this belief that the problem with God or Jesus is that God puts boundaries and God's the problem. No, the problem is that when you play outside of the boundaries, you get dead. That's the problem. Things go bad. And so God, in his love for us, says, here's the boundary marker. Here it is. But for people say, oh, I don't want that boundary marker. Who is God to tell me I'm not allowed to live that way? Listen, God loves you and doesn't want you to get hurt. God's not the best. And if you don't believe me, just look at what's going on in our world today. Our very sophisticated, intelligent society that literally can't get almost anything right at this point. On every level, every bit of the culture that we live in is on a crash course with the natural order of how God created everything. But here's the thing. We can't change how people live outside of the people of God. But if we change the way we live, that has a transformational component outside of us. And for those of you who are here today who are born-again followers of Jesus, don't sin because you know grace will abound. Don't take license to things that you know you're not supposed to be doing. Because what happens is when you do it, you see somebody who doesn't know Jesus watches you and says, oh yeah, look, all Christians are hypocrites anyway. There's no big deal there. And when we begin to sin, knowing that God's grace is still sufficient in our weakness, when we take that license that we shouldn't have, all we're doing is we're deadening the witness of the church, aren't we? And especially in a culture where not only do people like to bag on the church, but Christians like to bag on the church. I always tell people, I tell people this all the time, because as a pastor, I'm here to tell you, church isn't perfect. And if you're new here to Crossroads, you think Crossroads is perfect? (laughs) Let me let me lower those expectations. There's only one perfect person at Crossroads, and that's Jesus. And all the rest of us got issues. So if you got issues, you've come to the right place. We're following the one who doesn't have any issues. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus loves his bride. He's not finished with her yet. Jesus never says that the body of Christ has got it all together. He's saying, I'm preparing my bride for the wedding day. 
So God is doing a work in us in the bride of Christ, in the church. But we have to make sure as individual members of the people of God that we don't sin, that grace may abound. And then he says, look what he says in verse 2. He says, how shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Now, you see that. Now, this is where I get this idea that Jesus made dead people, that we have died to sin. And now we're going to see an unpacking from the Apostle Paul about this secret sauce. One of the secret ingredients of life is this idea of Death and resurrection, cross and empty tomb. That is not only true of Jesus, but it's true of you and I. He says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Verse 3, or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him. Verse 4, through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we had been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him and the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, what does all this mean? This simply means that baptism is a picture of death and resurrection. Baptism is a picture of death and resurrection. The Apostle Paul begins to unpack this reality of something that was very common within the church. The Lord gave the church two ordinances, baptism by water, full immersion, and then of course communion. This going under the water and coming up again, this submersion underwater and then coming out. What we begin to learn is that this baptism, it's really a picture of death and resurrection. That for the people who have been united together with Jesus, just as Jesus died and rose again, so also we, in the same way, have died and risen again. When you go under the water, you're being symbolically or in a picture united together with the death of Jesus. When you are being taken out of the water just as Jesus rose from the grave, you and I are risen with Jesus. Now what's beautiful is that baptism illustrates death and resurrection, but baptism does not accomplish death and resurrection. Does that make sense? And I think that's an important distinction. Because sometimes you'll meet someone and say, well, unless you get baptized the right way, you're not really saved, which is wrong. Baptism is a picture. It's a public declaration of what God has done inside somebody's heart. And so the Apostle Paul wants everyone to realize that what baptism is, is baptism is a picture of a person's life being united together with Jesus. 
That's why when you see images of baptisms, they're so powerful. When I'm in the waters of baptism with somebody, I always say to them, this is symbolic of just as Jesus died and rose again, your old life is dead. And you are symbolically being raised up into new life, fresh life. And what is so powerful about that is one of the secret sauces of life is the reality that you can die to the old version of yourself and you could be made alive to the best that Jesus has for you. I remember when my little, uh, my middle child, uh, Maranatha, I remember when she was going to be baptized. I've, said, I've told you this before that my daughter, Maranatha, we call her the boss because she's the boss. Classic middle child, sharp, bright, knows what she wants. And I remember before she was going to be baptized, she said, so dad, you're going to baptize me on Sunday, right? Yes, I am, sweetie. And she read me the riot act about baptism. She like explained it all to me. She's like, you know, baptism is an outward sign of what God has done in my heart. And so, so when we get into the water, I know that you're going to talk to me. And dad, yes, I do believe in Jesus and I love the Lord and he died for me. And when, when I go into the, when I go into the water, you're going to put me under the water because old Maranatha, she's dying. And then you're going to bring me up, resurrected with Jesus and new Maranatha is going to come out of the water. And then you're going to hug me and give me a kiss. You're going to let me go on my way. She has explained the whole thing to me. And I remember just being like, Hey, Maranatha. You know I'm a pastor, right? She's like, yeah, I know. I've done lots of that. I, I, I know that. I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Yes, ma'am. You know? That's my Maranatha. But one of the secret sauces of life, one of the ingredients that makes life beautiful is to realize that just because your past is what it is doesn't mean that has to be your future. Your past does not determine your destiny, my friends. Your past just shows where you've been. And what I love is that God meets us where we have been and he brings us to places that we would never have been on our own, but we have to pass from death into life again. And really what goes on, what these verses teach us is that for each one of us, we were alive to sin outside of Jesus, that sin had dominion over us. See, when it says here that we've been dead to sin, Death in the Bible does not mean extinction. It means separation. You realize that, right? The Bible never teaches that when someone dies, they become extinct. Bible says when death happens, separation happens. And so when a person is now dead to sin and alive to Jesus, it doesn't mean that sin has been extinguished from your life. What it means is that the stranglehold, the upper hand that sin has on you has been forever broken. Now you are free not to be completely enslaved by sin and death. But that doesn't mean that temptation doesn't happen. In these verses, it talks about this, that temptation is real. It's something that happens. But the thing is, is it's stranglehold, it's upper hand in your life has been thrown off by Jesus. Jesus is real. The grace that covers you because of Jesus' death on the cross is incredible. It takes away any power sin has over you. However, Pastor Daniel reminded you in today's message that you don't automatically get a license to do whatever you want. Grace does forgive you of wrong, but it also gives you a chance to live differently, to live better. 
Let the truth you heard today be the secret sauce to enhance your life. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will tell you that just because you're a born-again follower of Jesus, you aren't immune to temptation. You're still a human being. With that comes the curse that fell on the earth because of Adam and Eve. However, this new life comes with a great asset. The Holy Spirit lives in you now and will remind you not to give in to the sins that held you captive before Jesus freed you. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called The Secret Sauce. Until then, may God bless. We